0: Good morning. I am so happy to be in front of you today, this morning. I hope uh, that uh, hour that we gained this morning kind of refreshed everybody. It's usually the spring back or spring forward that kills me. So, uh, but I'm glad to see everybody here today and it's great to be in the uh, house of the Lord. Um, I'm really honored to be in front of you to talk about the marriage valve and the commitment. Um, I've done this, uh, this particular sermon about eight years ago, um, and I, I have a passion in this particular subject matter. I will claim that I'm not an expert in marriage. I'm not an expert in relationships or commitment. We're all learning. We all make mistakes. We all have issues that we have to work through. And um, today, I, I wanted to end uh, with, with what Oli was preaching the last couple Sundays with the vision and getting to know the vision. And he talked to, about the different phases leading up to, um, to marriage. I am excited to what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you this morning. Um, I'm married to a wonderful woman, Gretchen. Uh, we we met as kind of a unique, um, she suffered a loss where she lost a, a great husband and a father uh, to two wonderful women, or two wonderful children, Megan and Matthew. Um, my marriage dissolved after 20 years, um, uh, it, and it hit me hard. It It really did. I never knew that I would come to that point in my life where God would just Throw me this this loop and and he did, and uh, we uh we brought forth I brought forth four wonderful children, she has two wonderful children, so at one time at the house, we had six children and if you've ever been to our house, it's really small, <laughs> um, so I had to hide the food from my kids so that's that's what I had to do um, <clears throat> but we continued to build our relationship in the house with um, our children and with each other, and uh, it's just great knowing what we've been through in the past and what I've been through in the past. I've, I've learned a lot, and God has put it upon my heart. It was a dark period in my life when I went through my divorce. Um, I never wanted it, and it just, it, it just was, it, it was what it was, and God had just given me that, that peace uh, that I, I could have taken the low road, but I took the high road. I took the high road. You know, you, you hear people that take that low road that just end up no good. You don't want to take the low road. You want to take the high road. Keep God first. And I had a support system at that time that put put me through that whole ordeal, and I pulled through. So um, for those that don't know a little bit about me, I, I grew up in a traditional family. I grew up in central Illinois. I went to school um, in Chicago, right outside of Chicago, all of it, Nazarene University. I gained my uh, undergraduate degree in science in chemistry, and then I went right into the military and served my country for 10 years. Now, you know, for someone coming out of the, the college uh, with a subject of science and, and chemistry, no wonder the military put me in a field which related to my, my, uh, my knowledge of chemistry. So I was in the Chemical Corps for the 10 years that I was in. I served in Desert Storm a little bit, and then uh, I I did some really, you know, really fun stuff with chemicals and explosives. So it was a fun time during my time uh, uh, being in the military. Um, In the process, you know, I wasn't from the Pacific Northwest. I didn't know about the Pacific Northwest. My ex-wife brought me up here. She was from Washington State, and we moved out here in 94. I retired out of Fort Lewis, Washington, and we started to grow our family at that point. Um, looking back at my family, my parents, uh, you know, my parents were almost married close to 60, 60 years until my, my father passed away. And I can remember in the household, um, my father working really hard for, for us as a family, my mother working hard for us as a family, and I saw, the, the issues. I saw the tension in their marriage growing up. Um, I remember plates throwing across the, the the room. That's how bad my parents uh, had their fights. But in the long run, they learned how to adapt and, and really communicate some of the issues uh, that they had. And I learned from that because my parents set that example for me to follow. Moving into my relationships and my marriage, And it was great to see them grow during that time period. The last twenty years have been wonderful for them until my, well, of course, my father passed away and a couple of years ago, and it was it was a wonderful time for them. Um, and it, and they were hardworking family. So that's that is my background. Moving into the traditional uh, family uh, of being uh, in a family that had. Parents that loved each other and loved their kids. Um, today, I'm afraid, I'm sad to say that I'm a statistic. I'm a statistic of divorce. There was a survey done a couple years ago uh, on divorce, and, and did you know the number one reason that marriages dissolve in America is that lack of commitment? It is that commitment? by one or more or both partners. Now the divorce rate in 2020, this is COVID, was 2.9 persons per 1,000 people. Now that's amazing because that is a 44.2% reduction in divorce rate in America over, over the 40 year period uh, span of our, our nation. I've, that just floored me, it, it's improving. I don't know what the reason is. It could be our churches. It could be um, the culture that is changing in our in our in our nation. Um, and then of yes, of course, there is a COVID nineteen divorce rate. Believe it or not, I'm not going to go into that. Last year, people were together. They were bogged down into their houses and 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 shut down. So of course, there was a lot of of well, I would say tension, but a lot of of challenges there when you have two married couples living side by side for that amount of time when we were shut down for COVID. And then uh, sad to say that over half of the children will witness the breakup of a parent. So with this said, I'm here to speak to you about that commitment, the marriage vow, Uh, the commitment that you made when you got married, young, single people, widows, you are the examples for our younger generation to follow, our younger uh, generation that needs our help in today's society. You have the example. It's, God has blessed you in so many ways. Uh, for those that are single, wanting to get married, if God wants you to get married, it will happen. But put, put God first. Trust in God that He will find you a spouse that will love and cherish you. And if it's God's desire for you to remarry, it will happen. That commitment is given by your vows that are said in front of God and and the people uh, that you're with. Please turn to Matthew 19, verse 4 through uh, 6. Now, Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, the chapter's about divorce, but you got to remember, let's look back, John had, had been put in prison and killed uh, at least in part for his public opinions on marriage and divorce. So the Pharisees at this point were trying and hope, to trap Jesus in a lie. So Jesus' response was, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus replied, haven't you read? He replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and a mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house today. Please speak through me so that I can bring the message of hope, love, and commitment of marriage to this congregation I thank you for all that you do for us. The fact is, Lord, our marriages in this world are under attack, and we need your grace and love to heal them. Be with us now and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray. When my marriage failed, I knew God was still working with me. He knew that this was going to happen. I explored every option for reconciliation until it became apparent that it wasn't going to work, I tried so hard, believe me, but the Lord uses time to teach me more about graciousness, love, and forgiveness. It was tough i kept I kept remembering my marriage vows. Where did I go wrong? what did i What did I do wrong? It was that commitment in the marriage vow that had me really m- mixed up and, and I didn't really understand what was going on. How could this happen to me? Uh, I was committed through the vow. I was committed to our marriage, uh, our relationship. So let's look at the marriage vow. Now, please keep in mind, uh, this is the traditional marriage vow. Nowadays, you'll have your couples write their own vows, this is more the traditional vow that relates more towards what God intends for us to be in relationship to a marriage. Um, so let's look at that. So I take you to be my wedded wife-husband, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness or in health, to love And to cherish till death do us part. And here to I pledge you my faithfulness. Now let's break that into little parts and sections. I take you to be my wedded wife and husband. What's wedded? Joined in marriage. Of or relating to marriage. Or closely attached or devoted. You're coming together as one, okay? The first step is being devoted together. Next section, to have and to hold from this day forward. To have someone is for that person be yours intimately, okay? For someone to have is for you to belong to them, Now in 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Sex, believe it or not, is one of God's greatest gifts. It was, it was meant for the bond of the marriage. It implies that you will continue to show your spouse affection and give your spouse your body for as long as you are living. It's that tender love. Offering your body and your affection willingly, the day-to-day support. You should give a lot of yourself, have a healthy sex life, be committed to love, gentleness, tenderness, and giving, not taking, grabbing, or demanding. That's important, folks. Be committed to love, gentleness, tenderness, and giving, not taking, Grabbing or demanding. There's going to be a lot of energy in the course of your marriage. No matter what happens in your lives, you should remain together as one and you should work things out. Now, looking towards the sentence that says, for better, for worse, no matter what your financial situation is, or your health. You are to be supportive to your spouse. Now, at this point of the vow, you have to be committed. A commitment, to an, a commitment is an attitude. It's, it's a way of thinking that will enable you and your spouse to navigate through the still waters and the storms of the marriage relationship. You can face conflicts, but you must have a higher love to resolve those issues. Now, to better understand this type of love, the Greeks had four primary uh, words for love. One was storge. It's not found in the New Testament was a love of natural affection. Eros, the love of physical attraction. And then phileo was the love of friendship and companionship. And of course, you have agape, the one that we're used to hearing. The love of choice and commitment. The love is not dependent on the qualities of one, one loved or even on circumstances. It seems to be a love that has an origin of, in God. We love because God first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 states, this is the love that our hearts crave. Now, all these words were used to depict various aspects of love. The most important word for love was agape. Remember, when things get difficult, the love might change and fade away. Keep it, keep it, and keep it strong. Moving on, for richer or for poor. If we were like many, you predict great prosperity in your marriage. People go into marriage expecting the other to work hard. Men expect their wives to work. Some do. What happens in poorer situations? Regardless of our best laid plans, You know, the unexpected financial problems will come. How are you going to handle those? Jesus knows exactly your financial situation. In Luke 21, verse 1 through 3, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. When the stories of the rich ruler and the poor widow were written down for us, Jesus knew the circumstances at that point. What about in the part of the vow? What about in sickness or in health? What does that mean? What that really means is that you're going to stay with that person through sickness. Both play a part in the physical, emotional, and spiritual health of each other. Enduring these sicknesses in your marriage requires a great deal of self-sacrifice that rarely brings recognition. It's not going to be easy, folks. Not going to be easy. But keep God first. Keep God focused in that relationship. There were several types of sickness. Physical sickness. Me personally, this is the biggest challenge I have. You know, it it's hard for me to really deal with this. Any physical sickness can manifest itself. You know, you have cancer, maybe a missing limb, heart problems. You're going to change that bedpan because that's what you are committed to do. It is that unconditional act of love that will honor God in this situation. What about emotional sickness, personality disorders, depression? It is hard for a spouse to go down this route. <clears throat> excuse me, because they will not go out of your way to meet your goals or needs. That is tough. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he has saved us and called us a holy life, not because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Your commitment, folks, was or is to honor your spouse in spite of their emotional state, period. And then there's spiritual sickness. We kind of refer to this to the sins of omissions where we fail to be the person of God desires for us to be. The spiritual sick spouse may be prone to commit sin and treat their spouse as ungodly, Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. And I have it up here on the screen there. Okay. Um, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Hold on. Yeah. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desires. Romans 3 verse 23 states, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we think of sin in the marriage, it could be lying, it could be abandonment, deception, substance abuse, and verbal abuse. Guard your hearts, folks, In Romans 8, verse 28, states, As we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Guard your hearts. What about to love and to cherish? What does it mean of, of cherish? What does cherish mean? Basically means to cling fondly, to protect, to love, to treat with affection. The love portion of the vow means to have a strong liking for, take pleasure in. To sum this portion of the vow, it will be respect, to love, respect, and cherish is much more balanced picture shared evenly with the husband and wife. And we see this in Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. If that scripture sounds familiar, it comes from our love and respect class that me and Gretchen teach. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's the purpose of that, that particular class, love and respect, because we are called, and we all know that all things, well, however, each one of you must love his wife, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, We will have that class again. If you have not been in the love and respect class, it's a a wonderful class to learn about the love and respect that uh, each spouse truly receives. Now, cherishing your spouse will go hand in hand with loving and respecting your spouse. What about till death to us part. Hearing a couple say the portion of the vow makes me realize that I'm committed to remain faithful to the very end. That's until one of us physically dies. This is, does not mean that the death of the relationship doesn't mean that it means the death of the relationship. relationship. It, it can come at any time <clears throat> for any reason, Any one of you can decide that the relationship is dead, period. Now, I can't say that if a relationship comes to this point, you have an option. You can take God at his word and admit that he hates divorce, okay? Or you can justify your actions and not God's. God is not fooled and it still does not excuse you from that action. Couples will have serious problems. At this point, it may be time to see a pastor or a counselor. The Bible reads in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, For the lack of guidance, a nation fight fails, but a victory is won through many advisors. Do not let the pride of not seeing a pastor or counselor destroy your marriage. If you need help, seek help. Let God be your sustaining factor. It is in him you are trying to please by staying in the marriage, not your spouse. Pray for your spouse (coughs) and your marriage. Let's move on to here to I pledge you my faithfulness. If you're going to define faithfulness as Paul uses in the New Testament, how would you do it? Well, if you look at the dictionary uh, definition of it, you would find a technical definition that says to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty, which is really, really good. To follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty. Faithfulness is just love hanging on. It is love saying, I will not quit. There may be misunderstandings, and it's hard to believe that he really does love the Lord because you see faithfulness and love always goes hand in hand. Faithfulness is love hanging on. I will not quit. I will not quit. Divorce is not an answer. In your bulletins, I've listed several several items to keep your marriage strong. These are just a few. Number one is keep your heart. What traits and qualities you, you, your partner has. Uh, be kind and gentle to each other respect each other, cherish the moments together. In difficult times, remember to love and support each other. Go for unconditional commitment in the marital relationship. And here's that sentence again, uh, that sentence again. Divorce is not an option. Believe in yourself, your partner, keep Your commitment and love alive. Love your partner through sickness and health. It will make your bond stronger. Think about your children and don't be self centered. Keep your expectation to a minimum. Taking responsibility, loving commitment, and supporting each other will make your bond strong. Pray for your family and trust God and ask Him for His blessings and kindness. Folks, marriage is tough. It takes every moment to keep it going. If you keep God in your relationship and do the things mentioned earlier, there should be no reason why you should not be able to go on. At any time when you have a situation where you are needing help, don't be afraid to reach out. Let's talk about Rocky. This is Rocky. This story came out back in the Boston Globe. For 20 years, Rocky sat beside his wife's grave through every snowstorm and every birthday, to ensure the love of his life was never lonesome. At long last, the loving pair will finally reunite, resting in peace together. Now, Rocky died a few years ago, just two, three years ago, at the age of 97, and he was buried next to his wife. But for 20 years, he sat by her grave. He was devastated by her passing. Rocky built a, a routine around his schedule so each morning he would <clears throat> walk to the St. Uh, Joseph Cemetery in West Roxbury, Massachusetts, open his lawn chair next to Julia's plot, greet his wife and then stay beside her without breaks for food or water until the cemetery closed for the evening and before returning home. Sometimes Rocky would sprinkle crumbs on the gravesite so the animals would keep his wife company. She was part of, he, he stated that she was part of me, so here I am, whole, Rocky said. Being here makes me feel better, not good, but better. I do it for Julia and for myself. Now, the story attracted strangers, quickly became friends. The curious, concerned, and lovelorn would stop by and give the man blankets and extra clothes and to help decorate Julia's grave. (coughs) In exchange, Rocky shared stories of his underlying romance and help advise others on matters of love. Now, following Rocky's request, his family will bury him at the left side of Julius' plot, which happened. Now, after twenty years of waiting, Rocky and his love are side by side uh, for eternity. What a wonderful story. Do you have that kind of love? Is God in your marriage? Are you struggling through life's difficult moments? If, you're there, if, if you are, there's hope. We're reminded in Jeremiah 29, which is very, very popular scripture, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we can come together and be in your presence Father, fill us with your love. Fill our marriages with our love. Fill our young people with your love. Fill the widows with your love. Fill those that need you, Father. Father, you have been so good to us. Help us to follow your direction in your will. And Father, help the marriages of this congregation. Help the marriages of our community. Help the marriages of our nation. And Lord, you are the answer. You are the example to set. And we're so grateful for that. Be with us today in in Jesus' name. Amen.